is Romancing the Zone, a podcast about a podcast about boys playing tabletop games. I'm Nell Bailey. I'm Brittany Bailey. And I'm Ann Kern. Let's roll. Critical miss, y'all. Hi. <laughs> not commentary on this new adventure on which we are embarking we have to start with the new theme music though don't we just like the show started with just because i want to give griffin a shout out for it it's really really cool i'm loving the kind of like vaguely bluegrass um you know kind of southern twang but also spooky Um, yeah well and part of it reminds me a little bit of his first composition for taz knights Mm mm-hmm I don't know if that's familiar to anybody else, but I, it sounded familiar to me. Like, I felt like I got a little hint of it in there, and I'm sure that wasn't on purpose, but I liked it. It's a really good song. Both well, of them I, li- I, I kind of like the idea of it, of all of them eventually fitting together into, like, a suite, you know? I love this These kind of different tones, but sort of related to each other. Griffin, listen, you've been called <laughs> out. you got to do this now, and if you don't, that's okay. I do think having a really solid... Uh, theme song is super important because that's one of the things that gets me super jazzed with uh, balance is just hearing that music makes me so happy and just so like oh I'm in it I'm in it to win it and I was just thinking that in listening to an old episode of Taz that like you know once they get their stride and they find their thing um which this could be it we could be listening to the start of the brand new big campaign (laughs) it could be any of them but just that that music's going to do the same thing that the Taz music does. Sure, you know? certainly. I don't know if this is making any sense. No, just I that, think it makes yeah, sense. because it Makes it's, your heart all happy. Well, well like, it's, with Commitment, you hear that, and it sounded heroic. It sounded, you know, like this Cape and Cowl sort of music. At least to me, it sounded that way. Yeah, mm-hmm. no, I think so. It sets, it sets the tone, I think, um, yes. for the style of what they're going for. Yeah. Uh-huh. And that's really, that's really helpful, especially since with these setup episodes... The first thing we're talking about out of the gate is game mechanics, which would otherwise be like, oh, really? But if you if you have if you have the vibe going in, I think I think it helps you listen to that part of the conversation and and understand where it's leading. Yeah, it's like giving us a a decorative box in which to hold all the information that we are about to receive. So how how do you guys feel about your handle on the game mechanics for since now we're with another new system um, effectively uh, monster of the week which is um, based on this uh, apocalypse system? Well, as per usual for me, I have no idea. Like I have to, I'm so hands on. I have to play it myself. Uh, but yeah. just looking through things, I would love to play this. Like this is something I would be totally down with, and it makes sense. Just using the two dice. Um, it does seem much harder, though, that you have to roll a six plus to do anything. That's that's super scary for me. Yeah, for sure. Um, to me, I I think I'm grasping it. Um, as I was listening to this episode, I was taking notes here and there about what they were describing, just so I would have something to refer back to. Mm-hmm. But it also helps, of course, that if people who are listening to this have listened to the balance arc, no spoilers, but there is... They mentioned it in this one that there's um, there's a portion of the balance arc that uses some of this mechanic in it. So that helped certainly yeah. while they were explaining it. Right. Yeah, I think I think the system is a little easier to get a handle on than than the fate system. I mean, in terms of playability in the long run, the, that's a whole other thing. But just having somebody explain the rules to you um, prior to having experienced any gameplay, and when you yourself are not going to play, 
it seems like I mean maybe they did a better job explaining this time also I'm not sure because I I cheated because I was at um the the, the adventure zone zone panel mm-hmm. and I knew that Griffin's arc was going to use this system so oh, okay. I had already read a little bit about how the system functioned prior to hearing them explain it. You had it. some inside information. <laughs> sort of. Inside inside in a room full of other people, but yes. Yeah. To be fair, I was also in that room and I did not you were. recall that at all. So <laughs> I'm well I'm, I'm gonna go girl, out on limb here and say that's not surprising. <laughs> <laughs> I had an adorable Magnus puppet on my lap. I had I had Oh I'm, yeah, I'm sure that was it. You did. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, aside from the fact that I think they did a better job explaining this time, maybe, um, and maybe they understand it better, it's uh, one of the best parts is they did mention this, um, that the publisher, uh, Evil Hat, has actually put the playbooks for each of these character archetypes and um, the player resources are available for free on their website, and it does let you go through all of these things itemized so that you can see everything on a piece of paper if that helps you understand what they were talking about. I thought it was super helpful. Quick sidebar, I do like, I liked that idea of the different archetypes. You saying that reminded me that even when they mentioned it, I was like, oh, that's a really neat idea that you can still build whatever character you want. They just kind of fit, you choose kind of the role that they're going to fit in in some way. And I think that that's a really cool mechanic as well. I would really like to give this system a try. Yeah, I think this one, um, this one sounds super playable, like off the bat. I think, Mm -hmm. I think this one is... If, if listeners are, like, trying to pick a system that they might want to play for their own games, this one sounds super fun and easy to get into. I think maybe because it's built on, you know, these concepts that we're so familiar with. I mean, I think most of us in the geek community have watched at least one of the genre sh- series Certainly. or read one of the genre series that inspired right. this. So, I mean, you, you, of course, if you've watched Buffy or you've watched Supernatural or you've read Dresden Files, you're like, oh, man, I want to try that. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. And like the boys said, I do think this is going to lend itself very well to a, a storytelling medium. Yeah, right. I agree. Not a whole lot of math. And and I like that the game system um, has has this really good built in for there being consequences. So if you're you know trying to do like a protection fighter thing, <laughs> um, like you would do in D anD D, but if you if you do that in this game and you don't succeed well enough, you could help the other person, but you're also being exposed to the same thing that's hurting them. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's more like, it's maybe more like a real world interaction. It seems more There's um, more relatable. Here. Yeah. And consequences are always the fun part. Yeah. As far as I'm concerned. I'm excited to see how it all plays out. Cause even Griffin said, you know, he can't plan too much of this one. It just doesn't allow for it, which I, li- I like it when <laughs> we don't know where we're going. Like, it's going to be good, but we're not entirely sure of what's going to happen. And I think that's fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like a road trip of old. No maps. Get yeah. in the car. Go. <laughs> Gas is 25 cents a gallon. We're going. <laughs> uh, that does remind me of a time. The first time I went to New York Comic Con, I went with my friend and her family, like her brothers and her sister, and we were driving back at night, of course, and we were all in this van, only to discover that our driver, her sister's husband, had been going the wrong way for, like, two hours. <gasps> so, you know, Oops. things like that happen. <laughs> I feel like that's a start to one of these stories. Exactly. And you know what? We had fun. <laughs> it was fine. Like, we still, we got home eventually. It just <laughs> took us a couple later. extra hours. I was really hoping this was building up, too. And then we saw the Jersey right. Devil, but I'm, I'm a little late. Haven't down, had but... that happen yet. 
And I love that you said that because that was one of the points that they made about um, this setting that we find ourselves in. Griffin kind of played it out to be like, what if the cryptids that towns claim for themselves were real? Like, what if this one, which I mean, yeah. like, side note, they totally are. I was going to say, Nella, like, you're trying to say they're not towns. because... I would never <laughs> say that they're not. But we get what he's saying, which is essentially maybe not so much that they're definitely real, but maybe in this case it's like... It's it's worse than you think it is. So, you know, like your cute mm-hmm, little lip yeah. monster that you put on T-shirts and mugs and everything. Like, it's real, and it's not that cute, and it's going to eat you. It probably has, like, seven heads. Ooh. It's going to go full Lake Placid on I like you. the idea of one head being very cute, but the <laughs> oh, other Oh, and that's the only one that they're seeing. <laughs> Yeah, the decoy head. Somebody (laughs) years and years ago saw that one cute head and was like, y'all, we do have a monster, but he's real nice. (laughs) And then they just kept missing tourists and like nobody questioned it. They're like, well, it can't be our sweet monster. He's adorable. Look at him. I mean, tourists are kind of dumb. And tourists are dumb. What do you expect? That is super the plot of that Joshua Jackson movie he was in when he was like 15. (laughs) It is. There's a, there's a movie, which I do not remember the name of about them befriending a Nessie. Um, Uh, and then evil scientists. Is it the mighty ducks too? No, it's not. It's not. It was, it was after that, I guess. There's nothing after mighty ducks too. (laughs) We're never going to get away from these ducks. So Kepler, Kepler is our little (laughs) ski town. Uh, I love the way it sounds. I can picture it. Yeah. Right. And I feel like anybody who, most people could probably picture it from just something they've seen or experienced themselves. And if not, it's in every kind of TV show yeah. or movie that, the- oh, let's go to a ski resort. Yeah. Let's go to this little ski town. Like, it's just everywhere. So. Right. And you're thinking, like, little shop fronts. Lightly falling snow. A little bit of snow. Mm-hmm. Like, the main street is the only one that has uh, traffic lights on it. That kind of thing. That's what I'm picturing. And if you're having trouble with the mental image, the forest that it's on, the the fictional town is on the edge of, is real. Oh, yeah. Um, the Monongahela National Forest, which is about three hours from Huntington in, in West Virginia. And, and the, the second top Google hit when you when you type that in, because I wanted to see exactly where it was, mm-hmm. um, is Bigfoot. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> clearly, hey. clearly one of the popular searches for that area is, in fact, cryptids. Hell yeah, I'm into this. Do you guys do you guys want to know why why Griffin named it Kepler? Do you know why he named it Kepler? I don't know. Please tell well, us. Well, I mean, I no. don't I don't know for sure, but I'm guessing that he game, named it Kepler because he was talking about um, the big radio telescope that's oh, actually in West Virginia. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. Uh, Johannes Kepler, mm-hmm. who's most famous for discovering laws oh. about planetary motion, was also extremely influential in uh, understanding optics and refraction, particularly as used in telescopes. So I'm kind of wondering if somewhere from middle school or something, that kind of telescopes went to Kepler. Uh, I wrote a paper on Kepler, so I was kind of stoked about him picking that name. I was going to say, Anne, you big damn nerd. How do I know all this stuff? Like, I I almost went into astronomy for like a hot second. wow. I was never smart (laughs) enough for it, but same. And here we are. We both ended up making cute things <laughs> and making podcasts instead. Uh, I have a very quick question about that. What is a radio telescope? Is that like you can hear things? Uh, effectively, I mean, it, it uses um, it uses radio waves instead of uh, instead of light um, because they can travel much farther. Basically, is is the this is an extremely uh-huh. non technical answer to this question. Um, so, I mean, Perfect. the images. The That's images that you get back are, are, are very different, but they're they're extremely useful for deep space objects. 
Um, and and phenomenon like like black holes and okay. pulsars. Is this kind of like yeah? It is a almost daredevil exactly like situation. That. Yeah, it is. Where it is he very can similar. See through hearing. Yeah. Okay. Um, I mean, it's, or a toe. Maybe with daredevil, it's kind of more like echolocation, so it's a little different than that. But but if you're visualizing that, you're kind of on the right track. Love this insight. I hope you're right. I'm so jazzed about this one. Me too. Like it's gonna be so much fun. This is so incredibly, incredibly on brand for me. That, yeah. That me oh trying my God. to contain my excitement is <laughs> is like physically painful. Listening to them explain the setup, I was just like sitting there knowing Anna's living for this. <laughs> it is like at least ninety percent of my favorite media is is uh, mismatched people solving spooky mystery. Um, <laughs> except except Scooby Doo. I, I never liked Scooby Doo for some reason. Only, I think probably because the monsters were never real. That's um, fair. I think I like them better when they're real. Oh, fair. But yeah, this is this is so my jam. I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Griffin is making me extremely happy. Yes, I was like, this has Anne written all over it. Even the shows that he mentions, um, Buffy and Supernatural, Twin Peaks comes up, X Files. It has a Gravity Falls feel to it. Yeah, all of which falls within the Anne brand. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. <laughs> And I'm I'm hoping that this is one where um, you know I mean and I tried that with commitment too with my with my kind of cape and cowl friends that uh, I'm hoping to drag some supernatural buds and some X Files buds into this one yeah oh because um, sure. I think you know especially with these short experimental arcs it's a yeah. perfect place to start it's a perfect place to hook your friends right just kind of like slide it across Absolutely. the table into your <laughs> like, other fandoms fold it slide <laughs> it across that table I did make another plea today um, once the episode went up I quote tweeted it and was just like come play with me you guys and then when i was done listening i kind of followed up and was like for realsy if you if this is your genre this sounds like it is going to be your jam so once again Mm -hmm. i do hope we see an increase of people hopping in to join us on a monster hunt (laughs) so in terms of things that were probably not an accident um the first character that we get introduced to is clint's um, mm-hmm. and Edmund or Ned Chicane. Do you guys yeah. know what chicanery is? is I this... know the word, but I guess I don't know the actual definition. <laughs> I know definition. I've heard the word, right. I couldn't Isn't define it like, it. like hoodwinking? Like Basically. I mean, people use it kind of interchangeably with shenanigans now, but chicanery okay. specifically is deliberately fooling people for financial gain. Ah. Oh. So... <laughs> Clint McElroy cracked out his uh, his his vocabulary skills um, <laughs> from back it. in the day and and hid hid his character's main feature in the name, which is right um, I was super geeking out about. That's great. Well, that means <laughs> I super misspelled his name. Whoops. Not good <laughs> well. Maybe I misspelled it, but I I think I think that was what he was going for. Well, oh, I I don't it doubt it for a second. Now that you brought it to my attention, that makes complete sense. <laughs> That's what I figured, like, when I heard it, I thought of chicanery immediately, and then when yeah. he said he he chose the, what was the role? I can't the remember crooked. the name of his The role, Crooked. He, the Crooked, yeah. So as soon as he said that, I was like, oh, well, there it is. That mm-hmm. makes sense. <laughs> See, um, and you're I correct. I also am it. not sure if I spelled it correctly. Another word I don't know if I, I don't know if I spelled his last name correctly, and I don't know if I spelled cryptonomica correctly, <laughs> which I believe is what he was saying was the name of his story. Uh-huh. Or his museum, his yeah. curio yes. museum. That's true. It's not a store. It's a museum. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of, it's a tourist trap, which yeah, I yeah, totally, yeah. 
Like, as soon as he started describing it, I was like, yes, 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 I'm into it. And it fits that small town sensibility where you're like, right, little storefronts, little Main Street. And then his is like, not on that Main Street. His is out. (laughs) You gotta, you gotta know where you're going or happen to find yourself there is how Mm -hmm. I imagine the, I have to keep looking at it, the cryptonomica, (laughs) how that, I imagine that to be. Yeah, I, I love the idea of it being, you know, like a modern version of the old school, um, you know, roadside attraction kind of thing. Yes. That there'd mm-hmm. be some weird series of billboards when you're on the freeway, like, yeah, yeah. You exactly. know, um, and I would definitely have gone if this was a real place. I would I, right. would, I would have pulled over and gone. I want them to be hand painted. <laughs> oh, it's a must. And just a little off. Yeah. There's the sign. Bernie's going to... Uh, know exactly what I'm talking about as soon as I start describing it I'm sure on the way to and from our mom's place up in Michigan on the drive up there there's this place called Seashell City and (laughs) it promises things like a giant man-eating clam and it's a shitty place like it's garbage we went there once when I was a kid and you can't miss these signs so of course um our oldest sister and I were just driving back from my mom's place just like a week ago and I think the only reason we went there that one time back a million years ago was because she, being the oldest, was able to finally break down our parents enough for them to be like, fine, we'll go to Seashell City. And <laughs> I feel like they tried so hard to tell us, too. Like, it's not going to be what you like, think it is. You're good. not going to have it's fun there. Good. We're like, we need to go, like screaming in the car. <laughs> and we got there. We're like, what is it? Yeah. You guys broke them down. I was not old enough. I'm ju- I was just barely old enough to like have some vague memory of it but i do remember just like kitschy touristy bullshit that Mm -hmm. like right like a clam Mm -hmm. with googly eyes on it (laughs) stretched out pepsi bottle and there was no giant man-eating clam there either (laughs) those are my favorite thing this is the only good thing about living in florida and it's like writing it down what's it called how do i get there (laughs) i'm on my way i mean it's it's you know it's it's a it's a relic from a simpler time when people thought that this stuff was going to be great and didn't have Yelp to tell them that it wasn't. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's still there. Well, I mean, clearly Seashell City is doing something right because that was Yeah, they're hanging on, you know? Like 20 plus years ago that, like, we stopped (laughs) over there. So, well done. (laughs) So we had Seashell City. There was another place, though, and I don't know, Nell, if you remember this, and I don't even remember where it is, but it was literally called The Mystery Spot. And oh, we desperately yeah. wanted to oh, go there, to that. There are dozens and... of mystery spots all over the country. Oh, there's there's so many of them. There's a lot of um, mysterious We never places got there. So then thinking of mystery spot, I think of mystery shack, which of course brings me to the fact that I was very delighted when Clint was describing his character to be like, oh my God, this is Grunkle Stan. And yeah. I love it. I can't, I'm so excited to see Grunkle Stan in a setting where he can be everything he was supposed to be. Because, you know, not in a kid's show. He could do what he needs to do. Without the confines I don't know. I'm Disney so excited for this. down our necks. <laughs> and I think Clint's going to kill it. I think he's going to just play this character perfectly. And I don't know. Did you guys look up Brian Bless- Blessed? I didn't well, have Anne to look up Brian to. Blessed. <laughs> I saw her tweet oh, about that. Is he your uncle? He is not. I'm not related. As far as I know, I'm not related to Brian Blessed. Uh, no, I mean, I know him from a number of things. I have seen him in the Flash Gordon movie uh, where he plays like a 
like a winged winged dude in gold armor, which is pretty amazing. Like mostly shirtless. Mm-hmm. So you're saying while the boys were trying desperately to find anything that rang a bell to them, you were sitting there going, "You idiot! <laughs> yeah, I know exactly what this is." Well, he's and also like flipping through her DVD collection, <laughs> and like he's here and here. He was in Black Adder. Uh, you know, Naturally. he's a really, he's a really, really famous person in, in the UK. I'm more oh, famous okay. than here, but yeah. I mean, right. he's when they were huge... talking about Toast of London, I'm like, okay, like, yeah. this makes sense. And when, because I did look him up, because the name sounded very familiar to me, but I didn't have a face for him. I did because of Anne's But tweet. funnily enough, it's one of those things that I, I already knew what he looked like before I saw him. Yeah, I mean, he's he was a great. I mean, like I immediately knew what Clint was going for. I do want to stress that if you have not checked out the snow machine that Clint mentioned, <laughs> you definitely should because no matter how many snow machines you think you've seen, you probably haven't seen this one. So please check it out. And what was it called? The 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 Alpina the Alpina yeah. Superclass. Alpina Superclass. And here's the thing. I live in snow, snow covered areas. I live at the top of Alaska. I've never seen this and I feel cheated <laughs> that I haven't. Like, I, because well, families use these the as, brings it I may people. have to. I feel like I have to get a family of six though to justify it. So look out next Christmas. It is like somewhere between a sports car, a jet ski and a pedicab. Mm-hmm. And it's pretty brilliant. <laughs> that one looks amazing. Please look it up. It, he drives a 1958 Lincoln Continental Mark III, uh, which so I, I know at least one this. person has not seen it. So I'm going to send that link to my dear sister slash co-host right now. I'm uh, very just excited. That in the chat Oops. here. And I'm in the wrong <laughs> chat box. And here it comes. Oh, my God. Oh, that's God. a convertible, too. <laughs> I would imagine he would have the soft top. Like, I imagine. Yeah, I hope so. Oh, he has to. Like, Like, I I want someone to Photoshop Brian Blessed into this car. (laughs) And, like, a Bigfoot, like, sitting Mm, in the backseat or something. Or, like, popping out of the trunk. Oh, my God. That's amazing. (laughs) Yeah, I, I, I love that Clint mentioned, chose this car because of the ample trunk space, because there's this great story about um, Supernatural and how they have this this iconic, uh, it's a 67 uh, Chevy Impala. And it used to, it, when they were pitching the show, it was actually a, a 65 Mustang because they knew they wanted a muscle car and that was like the most obvious choice. But um, mm-hmm. the creator's neighbor was like, no, you you got to use an Impala because it's got room to store a body in the trunk. I Wow. That's, I love this on a number of levels. One, check out that neighbor. Just, uh, you know, be a little wary of that, everybody. Two, he's not wrong. There you go. Fair you enough. Gotta, you got to put your monster hunting tools somewhere, man. So I love that he was clearly in the mindset of like, how can I be useful here? And again, it just, it fits that character perfectly. Yeah. All of these characters settle so nicely because uh, then we have Aubrey Little, which is an adorable la- name for Lady mm-hmm. Flame. Who is this, yeah, stage magician. And even as Travis describing her, I was just like, yes, yes, excellent, <laughs> wonderful. And I love that she's got her her, her rabbit with her, Dr. Dr. Harris Bonkers. <laughs> that is my favorite, my favorite name. And also as a plush artist, I'm thrilled that they have they have thrown me this bone. Because <laughs> now I can make a rabbit. <gasps> there you go. It, it, it's going to be like a huge rabbit. <laughs> hey, I've got a lot Ten of fake pound. fur. Perfect. 
Oh my god, a 10 pound rabbit. I'm excited about Griffin immediately being like, oh yeah, I'm super gonna make your your rabbit a monster. (laughs) That was such a charming thing about all of this as they were going through and describing their characters. When hearing Griff immediately latch onto things and be like, perfect. And you can just hear him be like, I know what I'm gonna do there. Can hear those gears going. Yeah, I'm hyped for it. Like, I'm already excited. It gives me confidence to hear him so confident about like yeah. oh well, the rabbit's gonna be something's up with the rabbit yeah and i think i think having this be this magician like super kind of edgy punk rock magician girl yeah who thinks that her powers aren't real and then finding out that they oh are God, what I'm, great... I'm really into that i, I yeah. that is a great entry into this story it's terrific um, you know yeah. to try to find a, a way into it all of these are so good and then we have because yeah then we have kind of the opposite here we have duck who uh, griffin said it great name duck newton being juice's character who knows he was destined to have all these powers and then said no thanks i love that yeah what a terrific idea yeah can can we like can can we have some kind of one-on-one rumble with justin mcelroy who thinks that he's not creative and can't come up with characters and storylines because yes this happened again at the the podcon yeah he said he was anxious and wasn't sure that he was going to do his own arc because he says it was keeping him awake at night and thinking that he doesn't have any characters and he doesn't have any stories to tell and i'm like well maybe you need a framework maybe you need a different way to approach it but dude you keep knocking it out of the park please don't say you're not creative justin mcelroy here comes Nell. I'm your vodka aunt. You don't know it yet, but I am. And I'm here to tell you, you got it. So creative. So good. Everything we've seen from this guy is just so impressive. I'm always swept away by what he brings to the table. So I I hope, I understand his trepidation. I get it. It's a lot. That's especially all of us ha- all of the time being creative. Absolutely. <laughs> it, it just comes with being creative. But yeah, he's for sure creative. He's for sure very, very good at it. And... I hope he does get to a point where he feels comfortable to yeah. to give it a shot. I yeah, mm-hmm. I think he'd kill it. Cuz yeah, Duck sounds amazing. Again, what a great way to turn that that trope on its head, which cuz I get yeah. where Griff didn't want anybody to be the chosen one cuz mm-hmm. we all love Harry Potter, but I mean, those that was seven books where we followed Harry Potter, yeah. which is great, but it was going to push right. the story in a set direction. Exactly. Cause they, especially because this game is designed so that these archetypes, it's not like you're a chosen, like you're one of the kind of sidekick slayers, you know, like, what season was that of Buffy? Um, you know, <laughs> you're not Felicia Day on Buffy. Um, the, you, you are Buffy. Like, so if you choose sure. the chosen, you are the chosen, not a chosen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, is sort of the principle of it. So having it be like, no, it... I was the chosen, but I rejected it, and now, and then also throwing in that taking that minus one on weird. Love it when he could have taken because a three. Because he actively rejected his powers. I love that. Yeah, which is gonna it's gonna be a really interesting scenario that they're dealing with magic, and and his weird is minus one. Right, and especially with this kind of a game where I, I don't remember if Griffin said it or if I might have read it somewhere, but losing is a huge part of it. Like failure is inevitable you're gonna fail you're gonna fail more than you succeed probably and for some of our boys trav i don't know how they're (laughs) gonna handle that and i'm excited to kind of see how that plays out certainly i think it's interesting that travis went from um in commitment having this really order-based structured character and then going straight to 
super chaotic, unpredictable plays with fire. Mm -hmm. I like that he's playing around so much with what kind of character he can play and and what that means in terms of the story that they tell. Because, I mean, and honestly, like, I I live for the wheels coming off a little bit, so... And I think that this story is set up really well for that to happen in interesting ways. Well, and then it was really cool to me, too. I appreciate that in this one, that in this in the setup episode, they decided to kind of figure out how these characters all know each other. I, you know, I think that that was a really good idea because not that it didn't end up working out in commitment, especially in the parameters of commitment, where it's like, of course, none of these people know each yeah. other. They're all coming into this program um, and have to learn how to work together. In this, I like that we get to jump in and there's some relationship that they each have with each other. And Mm -hmm. I have to say, even hearing them, like, as they're totally jamming, like, figuring out how their character relationships all are going to work out, it felt so real and so relatable to me. It's one of my favorite things when collaborating on a story or a headcanon with somebody else. I love doing that. So it was fun to hear them do it, too. Right, and hear the excitement in their voices. Yeah. And they definitely seem really excited. I mean, I've I've gotten into really enjoying the setup episodes instead of seeing them as, you know, like, oh, man, we got to get through this to get to the story. Because at this point, we're seeing so much of the collaborative process. It's like getting to be in the writer's room, effectively, you know, if yeah. with a, you know something like a television show. That seeing where they're coming from and how they're arriving at these conclusions sort of includes you in the process mm-hmm. in a way. Even though they can't hear what we think. I mean, I suppose they can if they listen to this podcast, but <laughs> otherwise they can't hear what we think. It, it makes me more excited for what's going to happen. Like, if I had just known the scenario, I would have been excited anyway. But hearing them breaking the scenario makes it makes it more interesting. Mm-hmm. For sure. And I feel like we got just enough that we're going to have a little extra wiggle room as far as story goes that we don't have to fumble around with like character meetings or anything like that. But then at the same time, we don't know too much that it feels like they, yeah. they've given up the ghost. I, I think they found, I think that they found a really good balance and that was what Griffin was talking about, about. So this system was set up so that they would have had really solid connections between all of them. And they would have decided that off of the bat and I think them deciding to not do all of that where we could hear it or maybe not even do it at all, but to, to lay some groundwork or, or plant some seeds for where they could go with that in the story. Um, I think there was a good balance between not knowing anything about how these characters were connected in balance and knowing everything about how they were connected, you know, effectively or knowing a lot about their backstory and commitment. Um, finding some middle ground where, like, you've got a teaser. You kind of know mm-hmm. where they're going with it. Sure. Okay, so here, so here's my last question for everybody, for you girls, and for anybody listening to this who wants to answer. So Griffin basically told us that this is all going to culminate in them trying to hunt one monster, and I want to know what kind of monster you think it's going to be. Oh, I don't know. <clears throat> Ooh, excuse me. I mean, you know, Bigfoot seems like Bigfoot or Sasquatch seems like an obvious answer, but it also right. seems like not a very interesting one because they're usually not like super threatening. Right. And the um, way he said there's going to be like one big one, not a whole bunch yeah, of little yeah. side quests. Exactly. And, you know, if you do like a Nessie or a lake monster or something, then it's just like, well, don't go in the lake. <laughs> you know, they're mm-hmm. not quite I guess as threatening. We'll just avoid that. Yeah. Yeah. Bigfoot does seem like the most obvious. There's forest. It's hilly. Is it too obvious? I'm voting. I think it's too obvious. A Mothman scenario. Yeah. Something that can fly. I'm I'm gonna go Jersey Devil. Um, since there's nice. some variations on Jersey Devil style stuff. 
Is it going to be a cryptid we already know, or is he creating something? Who can never be sure. I want there to be Bigfoots. Like, I want there to oh, be a oh. Harry and the Henderson situation where they are about, but they're not bad. Like, they're just around. Just chilling. They are not the enemy, but they are available, if that makes sense. Griffin did mention cryptids, plural. So there, there's some. So there's, there's a, a lot of stuff going on in this town, but only one of them is the big, the big bad. Right. So I think there's good yeah. cryptids. I think there's neutral cryptids, and I think there's a big bad. And then well, I the know there's bad. a big bad. Um, I just don't know what it could be. Well, luckily we won't have to wait too long to find out. God bless. We'll be back next week. Brian, blessed. Yeah. So we will check you later. As always, feel free to get at us over on Twitter at Romancing Zone. And thanks so much for listening. Till next time, I'm Mel Bailey. I'm Brittany Bailey. And I'm Anne Craig. And we've been Romancing the Zone.